Let me just say, first of all, I so appreciate the opportunity to fill this pulpit this morning. And I just pray that God will bless our time together as we break His Word. Let me quickly tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, I'll make it brief. There's a lot to tell you, but I'll make it brief. Uh, I am a bivocational minister. Uh, My primary vocation is that of of an accountant, or I guess that's been my primary vocation through life. I've done some other things. Uh, I also am a, am a licensed CPA, but I currently am not in any kind really of public practice. I'm the business manager down at the Maud ISD, just south of here, which uh, I guess made me a little accessible when I first got a call from Brother Patrick about the, uh, about the mission. Uh, yes... <clears throat> I am kin to anyone who's a member of your church that has the same last name that I have, if you haven't already figured that out. Now, I don't know where he is this morning. I thought he might be hiding in the balcony. Uh, I think it may have something to do with the fact that Pam got back late last night with their grandkids. And, uh, but anyway, uh, he's uh, certainly, I'm, I'm proud to, uh, to claim him. Then also, uh, we have another family connection to your church. Uh, Kathy Roseberry is, is Linda's sister. And uh, the, uh, the first time we were in need of something on Sunday morning over at the mission, I said, well, I just sent Kathy a text. She's going to bring it to us. And I said something about being kin to her. And I think it was Brother Tommy Ritchie says, uh, now, wait a minute. Gary's your brother, but how are you kin to Kathy? I said, well, she's Linda's sister. So uh, we have connections both ways. We also have one set of dear friends who have been a part of your congregation forever, and that's Roy Dale and, and, uh, and Barbie. Uh, I'll not tell you how far back, but uh, they went through school in Clarksville just a few years uh, behind me. And uh, so certainly they're younger than I am. I'm not going to tell you how close they are to my age, but they are younger than I am. Uh, God began to deal with me in ministry about, I don't know, it's been 16, 18 years ago now, uh, and the need to really to supply, to be a supply pastor or a supply preacher. And uh, I dealt with that for a large number of years and, and really kind of through the guidance and leadership of our director of missions over in the Red River Association, uh, kind of came to what he labeled a late in life calling. Now that was a kind way of saying you're old, but you're not too old. Uh, he says late in life calling uh, to the ministry. And so I was ordained several years ago. I've done primarily supply preaching. And I just realized I may have a problem this morning. I don't think y'all have finished the vote as to whether or not you're going to call me as pastor of the mission. I might should make sure everyone has voted before I preach. Uh, you may not vote favorably after I, after I finish, but ultimately that has led me to, uh, to Oak Terrace Mission. And, uh, I've been over there, I guess since late May, maybe, uh, and, uh, really have grown to love and appreciate those folks. We've got a good thing going over there. And, uh, so y'all are in the process of voting, uh, to, to call me, I guess, permanently as, uh, as their pastor. And in that light, I want to mention a few people from your church that are a big help to the mission. And I want to encourage all the rest of you to become a help. 
But uh, the, probably the, one of the first people I met that I retained his name was Brother Charles Miller. And uh, he has truly been a friend and a, and a guide to me over the last uh, five or six months as we've begun a, uh, a ministry over there. But then there's some of your folks who are there weekly just to assist in our worship services. And uh, Brother Tommy Richie, I've already mentioned his name once. Uh, Fred, Fred Milton comes over, and we'd never make it without Michelle. Uh, Michelle does a wonderful job, uh, as I hear that she does here as well, uh, playing uh, the piano. And uh, it's just a blessing to the worship service over there. I, I made the statement, I know to Brother Tommy, when he first uh, started coming over, you know, I don't like to be legalistic about the way we worship, but the more we can make our worship services like what people are used to having worship services, the more enjoyment they get from it. And uh, when it's left up to me to lead the singing, it's not like they used to have it, okay? And so... Uh, we certainly need the help of, uh, of all these people that are joining us over there. Uh, I'll quickly tell you about my family. I know Gary brags too much about his. He doesn't tell you anything about mine. I've got two grown sons. Uh, I have nine grandchildren at the moment. Uh, God has blessed us through birth, uh, foster care, and adoption. And uh, we have, uh, have nine grandchildren ranging in age from... Uh, Three, two, thank you. I need some help every now and then. From two to 16. Uh, And uh, they keep us hopping. Uh, I also, I'm a high school football official. I did not officiate any New Boston games. So uh, don't blame anything on me. Uh, I did officiate one game out at Bowie and they won. So if any of you are from out in the Sims area, uh, I ought to be in pretty good shape there. By the way, I get a lot of sermon material from the football field. You'd be surprised uh, what you hear that becomes really good sermon material uh, from out there. But uh, I do lead a, a fairly busy life, but I, I try to, uh, to put the primary time into uh, to the ministry and to, to serving wherever I'm serving. I've been uh, a lifelong, I guess, member of, of our, what we still refer to as our home church in, in Clarksville. But uh, this mission church over here is quickly becoming a uh, really serious part of our life. This morning I want to talk to you for just a moment. And by the way, I really like the fact that the screen partially hides the clock back there. So I won't really know how long I've preached. Uh, and, and y'all are having lunch here today, so I don't have to get through in time for you to get anyplace else uh, for lunch. This morning I want us to look at Psalms 100, and then we're going to flip over and look at the book of Colossians for just a moment. The 100th Psalm, to many people, myself included, is is considered quite often to be kind of a a psalm of thanksgiving uh, when the the psalmist wrote it. And if if you'll turn there with me. Psalm 100, beginning in verse 1, it says, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. 
For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. You know, we're being told here to be, to be thankful. But particularly there in verse 4 where He says to us to enter with thanksgiving. Now, you could take that to mean to, to enter our worship services with thanksgiving. Just to enter your daily life with thanksgiving. You know, we get, we get so tied up in the things we don't have that so often I don't think we see the things that God does provide for us. We have reason every day to enter with thanksgiving. The last part of verse 4 says, Into his courts with praise. Enter with thanksgiving. Enter with praise. You always have something to be thankful for. I shared with someone earlier this morning, I was feeling pretty good. After preaching a sermon already that we had so much to be thankful for, I couldn't say all these parts of my body are hurting this morning. I really don't feel very good. I have to, you know, we need to recognize the good that God has given us. We need to recognize God's presence in our lives. You know, the material things that he provides us with, we all can want more. We fall into that trap of wanting more money, bigger houses, maybe a better job, a nicer car. Man, I still see some cars I'd love to have. We don't stop to be thankful for what God has given us. God has given us a place of shelter, a place where we can go at the end of the day and be safe from the world and safe from the elements. He's given us adequate food for the day. There are people in this world who don't have adequate food for the day. But yet so often we don't stop to thank God for just those simple blessings, just those simple things that he's placed in our lives day to day. When we look at Thanksgiving, you know, Thanksgiving is kind of a unique holiday to the United States because it was born in this, in this nation. I shared over at the mission this morning, I, early part of this week, I thought, well, man, that's the only uniquely U.S. holiday. Boy, was I wrong. I got to thinking about it. And that wasn't right. You know, we observe Independence Day, a very important U.S. holiday. We observe Memorial Day. We observe Veterans Day. All days that are unique to the U.S., that are important. But I don't think there's any more important. And I don't mean any uh, shun to those in the military. Those military days are very important. But there's no day more important than a day of thanks. There's nothing more important than stopping to give thanks to God for what we have. And I, I discovered as I was preparing this message, there's kind of three events that happened to bring thanksgiving to the observance point that it is today. In 1623, the pilgrims had been in the U.S. about three years. And the governor of the colony there a guy named Bradford issued a proclamation that all the people should gather on November the 23rd of that year 
for a day of thanksgiving and praise. He designates the place, I think, is on Yon Hill. It's what's in the actual proclamation. But one thing I found interesting, he instructs all the women and little ones to be there as well. His language of the day. And uh, I told the folks over at the mission this morning, we certainly want the women now because they're cooking the pumpkin pie. But uh, he instructed all the families to be there for a time of worship, to give thanks. Now certainly those people of that day, I think, realized they had a lot of things to be thankful for. They had landed in the U.S. really with nothing. They would made their way by growing crops. The, the Indians had, the friendly Indians had shown them how to grow some crops and prosper. God had protected them from the unfriendly Indians and kept the Indians from killing them. But God had given them protection and provision. And I think it was very easy in 1623 for them to stop and give thanks to God for what they had. Today, maybe not so much. You know, we don't, you know, the story we read in, I guess it's in elementary where the Indians taught them to put the fish with the seed for fertilizer. You know, we don't get out and do that. We go to the store and now we fuss because the shelves are half empty, by the way. But we go and get what we want, and that's the source. We're not pushed to that point of realizing how thankful we need to be to God for what we have. Then in 1789, Thanksgiving was recognized for the first time by a president of the United States. It also happens that was the first president, George Washington. And he issued a proclamation for just a date in November to be a day of public prayer and thanksgiving. From that point forward, every president each year would issue a proclamation for a given date that America was going to observe. Then in 1863, Abraham Lincoln put into place what we have today, that thanksgiving would be the last Thursday in November. I told the folks over at the mission this morning, said he had to do that so the Dallas Cowboys would know how to set their schedule each year. <laughs> Golly, we wouldn't make it if we hadn't done that, would we? Well, I don't know. Uh, you know, sadly, we can have Thanksgiving without the Cowboys. And there's been some Thanksgiving that I haven't been very thankful for them. But, uh, but nevertheless, we have tradition today that we follow that I think really we have Abraham Lincoln to thank for setting it on that specific day and giving us forever a day of thanksgiving and, and prayer and praise. And you know, I even, as I was preparing this this week and, and looked at that, I thought, I wonder if in the day we live, the same proclamation could gather any momentum. Would our nation's leaders, would those in the public be acceptable to us now establishing that last Thursday as a day of giving thanks? But when we look at giving thanks, I want us to look also at, at what I really brought as the focus for this message. And that's the things of God that we can be thankful for. If you will, turn with me to Colossians. This is not a scripture that you normally hear in a Thanksgiving message. But I want to share with you from Colossians 1, 
verses 3 through 6. Just a very short reading. This is Paul writing to the church at Colossia. He says, We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven of which you have heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. Now, many preachers and pastors write sermons from Colossians 1 and preach on faith, hope, and love, okay? So when you see some familiarity here, don't think I totally jumped the traces and didn't recognize that. But I want to look at the things that Paul is telling the Colossian Christians that he's thankful for, that they should be thankful for, that God has provided to them. First of all, in verse 3, he says, He's thanks for the Father of our Lord. We should give thanks for the object of our faith, Jesus. Now, I'm afraid quite often we get to Thanksgiving Day and we don't even think about Jesus. We should give thanks to God that Jesus came to earth, lived and died as a human, and then thankfully rose again. It'd be a pitiful mess if he hadn't have. Thankfully he rose again. Which ultimately then, what are we thankful for? We're thankful for our salvation. We should be thankful to God that he provided salvation for us. We should be thankful to God that we have salvation in Jesus Christ. Honestly, we should be thankful that our salvation is not in any other form. Because we'd have a really hard time sometimes measuring up to some of those other forms. We should be thankful that He's the Father of our Lord. We should be thankful for Jesus Christ. Verse 4 then, Paul mentions love for all the saints. He's thankful that they have love for all the saints. Now that gets maybe a little more personal. We should give thanks for the love of our church. Our church is filled with the saints as we know it. Paul is giving thanks for all the saints who are in the church at Colossia. You know, by the way, I didn't even preach from this scripture over the mission this morning, but as we close, I told them, I said, I want you all to understand how much I do love you and how much I thank God for what you are here today. Well, I want to challenge you. Do you love your church? Do you love the saints? Do you love the people that you see here week to week? I don't know. We need to thank God that we have our saints. We need to thank God that we have fellow believers among us. We need to be thankful for what we have. We need to love those around us. We can give thanks for the love that God has given us that's unconditional. And he expects us to share that love unconditionally with those around us. If you're not, 
And I'm not here to judge. I don't know. There's only about two people in the room that I know besides Linda. Uh, Brother Bobby, you're a bad pick back there because I do know you. Uh, but uh, sorry to call you out. But uh, I don't really know any of the rest of you. I don't know how you share God's unconditional love. But let me challenge you to do that. Maybe that's a resolution, really, that you need to make in a time of thanksgiving. To be thankful that you have God's unconditional love. To be thankful that you can share that unconditional love with those around you. And truly love those that you worship with week to week. Then in verse 5, he gives thanks for that hope that's laid up in heaven. We can and we should give thanks for the hope that's found in the gospel. Now I mentioned a moment ago the fact that Christ rose after he was crucified. What hope would we have if Christ had stayed in the tomb? What hope would we have? We can give thanks to God for the hope that we have in the gospel. You know, one of the greatest hopes that I have is that I'm going to be I'm going to be out of here when some of the worst things happen here on earth. Some of the greatest hope that I have is that I'm going to spend eternity in heaven and not eternity in hell. I have another sermon. I'm not going to preach the whole sermon to you here, but I'll have another sermon where I make the statement. How much could you hate somebody to want to condemn them to hell for eternity? Think about that. Would you wish for someone to spend eternity in hell? I think not. We should be thankful that we have that hope laid up in heaven. That in those final days, Christ is going to come and get us and get us out of here. We're going to be in that wonderful place, in that mansion on the hill. By the way, I preached on heaven a few months ago, and I was challenged as to how many rooms are really in that mansion. There will be enough, trust me. But we have that hope. We should give thanks that we have that hope laid up in heaven. That hope is an eternal hope. The things we should be giving thanks for are eternal. The things that we have here on earth, that by the way we should be thankful for, are not eternal. They're going to be very short lived. You know, most of us can't drive a car more than four or five years and we think it's worn out and it's time for it to go. Or it no longer looks like the new one, so it's time for it to go. Things of this earth are temporary. Clothes are temporary. There's new fashion from time to time. As you can tell, I'm not real fashion conscious. But the things of this earth are temporary. They're short-lived. They're going away. The things of God are eternal. The things that we can be thankful for in God is eternal. That salvation in Christ gets us right back to that faith, hope, and love from this scripture. Those things are eternal. Those are the things 
we should be thankful for. You know, I don't know the condition of, of your heart or the situation of your life, but I just pray this morning that you'll leave here with an attitude. First of all, that you truly have those things to be thankful for. And secondly, to be thankful for the things of God. Be thankful for the things that God has given us for eternity and not just the things that God has given us for a short time period while we're here on this earth. Even our bodies are going to wear out and be gone. But our salvation, our hope is eternal. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I just thank you for this day, for this word that we have from Paul and the Colossians. And Lord, I just uh, pray this morning that we'll look at this Thanksgiving time as a time truly to be thankful for the things that, that you provide us with here day to day, but Lord, also to be thankful for the things that you provide us with that, that are eternal that will be with us from, from now on. Lord, we just love you. Just pray, Lord, if there's someone here this morning who, who needs to make a decision that today will be the day. And, Lord, just be with the remainder of our service. In Christ's name, amen.